The March to Zion broadcast is a weekly radio production of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. The broadcast is under the direction of Elder Tim McCool, Pastor. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Stay tuned for a message of God's sovereign grace. This is Tim McCool, pastor of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church and director of the March to Zion broadcast. Please stay tuned for a message of salvation by grace. It's my great blessing and privilege to be able to speak to you this morning. If you're a returning listener, then we thank you for your ongoing prayers and support. And if you're a first-time listener, we hope that you'll feel burdened to join us each week at this same time. We rejoice in the message of salvation by grace alone, and we invite you to come and worship with us. We meet each Sunday morning at 1030 and on the second and fourth Wednesday nights at 6 o'clock. So come and join us anytime that you can. I would love to hear from you. You can reach me at my email address. It's Tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W dot com. That's Tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W dot com. Our website is BethlehemPBC.org. That's BethlehemPBC.org. We're going to hear a song and then bring to you a message from the Word of God. 
talk to you about one thing. In the scripture, we'll find that phrase, one thing, occurring several different times. And we want to focus in on three particular verses of scripture today where one thing is mentioned. The first one that we'll look at is found in Mark, the 10th chapter, where Jesus says there was one thing lacking in the life of a very successful young man. And then we'll look at Luke, the 10th chapter, where Jesus says that there was one thing that was needful in the life of of a wonderful young woman who was a disciple. And then lastly, we'll look at Psalms, the 27th chapter, where David himself described under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost one thing that he desired. And it's interesting to note in each of these one things that we'll look at that they include several different things and actions, you might say, that first Jesus describes in Mark 10, and then we'll also see in Luke, the 10th chapter, and according to David in the Old Testament, But they involve more than just one activity. It is a number of things that take place here. In Mark, the 10th chapter, we come to the first one thing that I want to talk about, and this is the account of the rich young ruler. Now listen, the rich young ruler is one of those portions of scriptures that have been kicked around in theological debates for many years. Let me just say this, and I want this to be understood clearly. The rich young ruler was and is a child of God. He's in heaven today. There is no object of Jesus' love, where Jesus says here, Jesus beholding him loved him. There's no object of Jesus' love that will ever perish in the lake of fire or suffer punishment in the flames of hell. 
It's just not possible because there's too many verses of Scripture where Jesus says, I will make sure that I get my children there. This man's a child of God, and I want you to know the subject that's under consideration in the context is his discipleship. It's not his eternal destiny. Now, you will notice that the rich young ruler comes and asks a question about his eternal destiny, and it's because he is confused. And if you see Jesus dealing with this young man in love and sincerity, he graciously points out to this young man what his problem was, and his problem was not where he was going. Was he going to heaven or hell? His problem was what he was doing in this life. He wasn't giving God all of the glory. And that's why Jesus, after talking with him for a few minutes there in verse 21, Jesus says to the rich young ruler, one thing thou lackest. So here is one thing lacking in the life of a child of God. I want you to know that his eternal salvation was not lacking. We see in verse 17 that when Jesus was gone forth in the way, here comes one running and kneeling to him and calling him good master. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus immediately answers the question about his eternal life. He says, why do you call me good? There is none good but one that is God. You see what he's saying there is you couldn't even refer to me as good if God hadn't already given you eternal life. And this young man is wanting to know what to do to inherit eternal life. This young man was suffering from what many of God's children suffer from today, the burden and weight of sin, thinking and wondering if I'm doing enough to get to heaven, if my good works outweigh my bad works. And the reality is that's not how we get to heaven. And Jesus gently Loving this young man turns it back on him. The young man says, I've done all these things that you've described. Jesus said, you know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor your father and mother. And the young man pridefully says, oh, master, all these I have observed. Jesus is setting him up to see that it is impossible for him to do enough good works to get to heaven. And Jesus describes to the young man, the ultimate answer for understanding everything he needed to know about his eternal life, and it was found in following Jesus in discipleship. Would anybody say, okay, listen, Peter, James, John, Andrew, all those guys, they weren't children of God when Jesus called them from their nets. Who would say that? Jesus calls those children of God touched by the Spirit away from their nets. They're already his children. He calls them into discipleship. You'll see over and over in the Scripture, that Jesus calls his children, who are already his children, into discipleship. Even that famous verse of Scripture there in Matthew the 11th chapter where he says, Come unto me. He doesn't say, Come unto me all ye that are dead in sins and get life. That's impossible for a dead thing to come to Jesus. No, Jesus says, Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Well, the only ones that labor and are heavy laden, like this rich young ruler here, are those that are burdened by the weight of their sin. I like the old example that I've heard a number of times. My brother uses it often, and it makes a good example, that if you'll put a 1,000-pound weight on a dead man, he won't even move because he's dead. He can't feel it. But if you put a 1,000-pound weight on a man who's alive, he's going to squeal. He's going to yell and shout, get it off of me. The point is this, only the born-again child of God, like this rich young ruler here, like Peter, Andrew, James, and John, when Jesus said, come follow me, only the born-again child of God is going to feel the weight of their sins. The wicked don't feel the weight of their sins. The dead in sins who don't have any spiritual life, they don't feel that. And this 
rich young ruler, just by the very fact that he's coming and asking Jesus, the good master, this question. He recognizes that Jesus is something special, but he doesn't know exactly what he is. So he comes seeking an answer for the void that is in his life. And how many children of God come seeking that answer today? They come to worship service after worship service, and they seek this answer. Oh, am I doing enough? Am I living right enough? Am I doing enough good works? And many times the answer is, keep on doing those, and maybe you'll make it. Keep on doing those, and just keep it up. And the answer is Jesus. The answer is that Jesus has done enough righteousness to save us. The answer is that Jesus is our righteousness. So rest in Jesus. Don't rest in your works. This young man had no rest in his works. He was lacking something. Jesus said, one thing thou lackest. Jesus hits the nail on the head of what was lacking in this rich young ruler's life. Now I want you to notice how many different facets there are to this, how many different parts there are to this one thing. He says, you've got one problem. Now do this. Go thy way. That's one. Sell whatsoever thou hast. That's two. Give to the poor. That's three. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. That's four. And come. That's five. Take up the cross. That's six. And follow me. That's seven. Jesus describes this young man as missing one thing, lacking one thing. And here are seven steps that he is given so that he can deal with that one thing that is lacking. And here's the key to this, okay? Ultimately, Jesus said, be in my presence. Because that's what would happen after he would go and sell and give and have treasure in heaven and come and take up the cross and follow me. At the seventh step there, now listen to me, this is not progressive sanctification like Jesus is saying, okay, once you accomplish these seven steps, then you'll be my child. No, no, a thousand times no. This is not progressive sanctification. No, this is Jesus looking to a child of God who he describes in Matthew 5, we are salt and we are light. He didn't say you're becoming salt and you're becoming light. As born-again children of God, we are salt and we are light. And he is saying to one who is salt and who is light, be salt and let your light shine. You see, he wasn't being the salt that he needed to be. He wasn't letting his light shine like he should. And in the following of Jesus, after he would go and sell and give and have and then come and take up the cross and follow me. That's where those questions would be answered that this young man had about his eternal life. And oh, I wish I could say today that this young man rejoiced and shouted for joy and leapt for joy and ran away and sold those things and gave and had the treasure. And he came and he took up the cross and followed me. But notice what it says in verse 22. He was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. Isn't that something? Isn't that sad that this rich young ruler who seemingly had everything but had these great voids in his life and this longing within and this burden within that I just don't think I'm doing enough. And he was right. He's not doing enough. And no one can do enough to earn their way to heaven. And Jesus said, all of the answers to the questions that you're having are found in following me. And child of God, I say to you this morning, all of the answers to all the questions that you may have about the burden of your sin, about the gaps and the voids that are in your life, about thinking you've got to do enough good works to work your way to heaven, or maybe your good works will outweigh your bad works. All of the answers that you're looking for, they're found in following Jesus. And maybe you, and maybe me, like this rich young ruler, has to take some steps so that we can deal with that one thing that is lacking. This was a seven-step process for this young man to deal with what was lacking, and it ultimately led to the presence of Jesus. 
He just needed to follow along with the rest of the crowd that was very closely following Jesus, and he would have all the answers that he was looking for. Lacking means deficient. Jesus says, you are deficient. And as the world would look at this young man, and as the religious world there at that time looked at him, this guy's got everything. He's rich, he's young, he's a ruler, he's got authority. I've said before he's probably good looking too. All the girls are probably after this guy. And yet Jesus said, you're deficient. Your riches are not going to get you to heaven. Your looks are not going to get you to heaven. Your power is not going to get you to heaven. You're deficient. And he walked away sad. He didn't stay with Jesus. He did not get rid of the thing that was lacking and find his fulfillment in the presence of Jesus Christ. You see, the answers lie in the presence of Jesus Christ. You say, well, I wish he was here walking today so I could follow him. His church is here, and it's what he set up as the way in which we are to experience him. So in the spirit, he is here. And the greatest manifestation where you can find him is in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Over in Luke, the 10th chapter, we found one thing that was needful for a wonderful young woman who was a disciple. It says in verse 38 of chapter 10 in Luke, Now it came to pass as they went, they entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha, this great domestic Martha, this great caterer Martha, she was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. She's frustrated. She's upset. And Jesus bites her head off, right? No, 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 a thousand times no. Jesus gently rebukes her and looks at her and says, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing, there it is, one thing is needful. One thing is required. That's what needful means. One thing should be demanded. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Here we have a disciple of Christ. Picture her now at the feet of Jesus with all this hullabaloo going on in the kitchen where Martha's just in a tizzy, worked up, doing all these different things that she's doing. And there sitting at the feet of Jesus is sweet Mary, who is learning things that Martha ought to be sitting in there and learning. Now listen, let's say a side note about Martha, because she gets a bad rap. She's another one of those like the rich young ruler. We're usually only saying negative things about her. Martha is a great example of someone who has a great gift. She was a great caterer. She was a great organizer. She was a great cook. And here we find her doing her thing, and yet she's taking it too far. Martha didn't need to quit being a caterer or quit being a great cook. No, she just needed to tone it down a little bit. Have we all experienced that? I suppose we have. I know me personally, I could give you several examples of how I just needed to tone it down a little bit and channel those great gifts for the glory of God. Here, she is channeling her gifts for the glory of Martha, and she's upset, and she's demanding that Jesus release Mary from there at his feet, from listening to his word, the word of the Lord of the Lords and the King of Kings, and come in there and help her. Are you kidding me? Jesus said, I'm not going to do that. Because there's one thing that's needful. There's one thing that's required. This is what we would call a no-brainer. This is one thing that should be demanded by God's children is to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear his words. And again, somebody says, well, if he was here, I'd get down at his feet and I'd listen. Listen, let me tell you something. He is here in the spirit. He's here in his church. And we don't need to question God's wisdom and counsel and desire in leaving us his church here and his spirit here as the Holy Comforter. And if that's where God said he can best be manifested and felt and experienced, that's where we ought to be. 
You've heard people say, well, I've experienced the Lord better out there in my boat fishing on Sunday or recreation this or recreation that or doing this or doing that. Listen, if the Lord had said, I want you to experience me in the best way you can experience me is out there in the boat fishing on Sunday or recreation somewhere doing this or doing that, then that's what we should do. But the Lord didn't say that. The Lord said the best place to experience me is in his church. And his church, from the setup of it, it's perfect. The people now, of course, that make up his church, they're not perfect. They're sinners. But the actual setting up of that church, God says, I'm going to set up my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. So you see, God's perfect. And so what he set up, the institution is perfect. And Jesus is the head of that church. He's the thinking process of that church. And the word of God is given so that we can understand what his thoughts are in relation to his church. And that's how we position ourselves at the feet of Jesus to hear his words. Now, even we can do this now. And there's so many things that will demand us to come away from that. It may be recreation that demands us and says, Lord, it's a waste of time for those people to go over there and spend an hour, two hours, whatever, worshiping you on Sundays and Wednesdays. Bid them come away and come and have recreation or bid them come and work or bid them to go and fish or bid them to go and do this. Surely it can't be found in that, but it can. And it's the same thing today where the things like Martha was experiencing call us away. We're careful and we're troubled and we're cumbered about many things. There's so many things that can pull us away from the word of God and from the feet of Jesus and from the church of the Lord. And Jesus said, that's the one thing that is needful. That's the priority. That's the no-brainer. And he says, I'm not going to take it away from Mary. She's chosen to be there. And once again, we see Mary, a born-again, blood-bought child of God, touched by the Spirit of grace. This isn't about her going to heaven. It's not about her becoming a child of God. It is simply about her discipleship. And she has chosen to disciple herself here at the feet of Jesus and listen to his words. That is the one thing that is needful. Oh, it doesn't mean that we give up our great talents and gifts. You may have a talent for this, a gift for that. God says to use that for the glory of God. And Martha was abusing those gifts. She was, as I said, doing it for the glory of Martha. And so we find Martha once again down the road serving again over in the book of John. We read after Lazarus, her brother, was resurrected. She was the caterer, the meal preparer, the domestic, the great domestic that was there preparing everything. And she had a great name and a great reputation for that. See, she didn't just quit and go cold turkey. Now, granted, there may be some things that we need to go cold turkey on. But here, Martha, she just channeled her gift, toned it down for the glory of God. And Jesus says one thing is needful, and Mary's chosen that good part. It shall not be taken away from her. And don't forget, she sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. So position yourself at the feet of Jesus and hear his word. You have to submit yourself to Jesus. You have to submit yourself to being at his feet. And picture that today just like this. You sitting at home taking time instead of watching that show that you like or binge watching something that you may be looking at on the internet. Listen, it means giving up that time that you would normally be doing something like that and giving it to the Lord, getting in the word of God, getting in prayer, coming to church and listening to the preaching of the gospel. Listen to me. That's the one thing that's needful in our lives. And Mary had made a choice to follow the Lord as a disciple in that way. And Jesus said, I won't take that away from her. Now, notice the first thing was one thing lacking, where this young man went away sad and grieved. The rich young ruler, 
did not follow the Lord. He did not get rid of that thing that Jesus identified that was hindering him in his life. And he went away sad. And here we have a young woman who has chosen to remain at the feet of Jesus. It's good for her to do that. And Jesus says she's going to have that. And as long as she chooses to be there, I'm not going to take that away from her. And then in Psalms, the 27th chapter, we find another one thing where David said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Another one thing that involved more than one thing in doing what he said he wanted to do. He desired the Lord, that thing he sought after, to dwell in the house of the Lord, to behold the beauty of the Lord, inquire in his temple. You remember the rich young ruler? It was seven things there. Jesus said, go thy way, sell what you have, give to the poor, have treasure in heaven, come, take up the cross, and follow me. And then you had Mary over there who had chosen, she made a choice to leave the kitchen, to leave the work that was going on in there, and then she positions herself at the feet of Jesus, and she remains there. At least three things you can see there. Mary chose to come to the feet of Jesus. She chose to sit down at the feet of Jesus, and she chose to remain there. She had a great blessing in that too. And here we find David. He says, one thing have I desired. He says, that will I seek after. Dwell in the house of the Lord. Behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire at his temple. And notice David said, I desired this. Desire means to beg or to borrow. <laughs> Literally, David says, I am begging for this. It is my passionate desire within my heart to do this. And what did he want to do? He wanted to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. And he wanted to behold the beauty of the Lord. And he wanted to inquire in his temple. This desire of David was so ingrained in his heart. Of course, it came from the Spirit of God, but it's so ingrained in his heart that this consumed him. Oh, does this consume us? I'm telling you, it did not consume the rich young ruler because when he was told what he needed to do, when it was identified in his life what needed to go, he wouldn't get rid of it, and he went away grieved. It was not his passionate desire to dwell in the house of the Lord and behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in the temple of the Lord. It's interesting, isn't it, that he came inquiring, saying, what do I need to do? <laughs> and then when the Lord identified the real problem and what he did need to do, which had nothing to do with going to heaven or hell, when he identified that, the rich young ruler was lacking continuously in that because he wouldn't get rid of it. He wouldn't sell his possessions. Again, I've said this before, it doesn't mean you have to go and sell everything you've got like the rich young ruler did. But if that's your issue, if that's your problem, then it may be that you need to get rid of that and go cold turkey. If your problem is like Martha, that you're just going too extreme on your gift and it's to your glory rather than to God's glory, you may need to tone it down. And here we find David, who has a desire, who is begging, literally, Lord, let me dwell in the house with you. Let me behold the beauty of you, and let me inquire in your temple. You know what that tells me? That in the house of the Lord, in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today in the New Testament time that we're living, that is the best place that you can position yourself to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire. Ask, Lord, what does this mean? What does that mean? Let me understand better what you would have me to know. I hope this morning that we can see that we all most likely have one thing or many things lacking in our lives. And God is so gracious that he will prescribe to us what we need to do, like he did the rich young ruler. The question is, are we courageous and bold enough through the Spirit of God and the grace of God to do it? 
And if we are positioned at the feet of Jesus, if we are positioned to hear his word and grow in him, that is the most needful thing, the one thing that's needful in our lives. And like Mary, I pray that we will continue to position ourselves there to listen to him. And guess what? We get rid of the thing that's lacking in our life, fix that, and then we realize what's needful in our life. You know what? It becomes our desire. Then there's nothing else that will satisfy us like sitting at the feet of Jesus, dwelling in the house of the Lord, beholding the beauty of the Lord, and inquiring in his temple. May we identify the things that are lacking and recognize the one thing that is needful. Let that become our one desire in this life. May the Lord richly bless you is my prayer. You've been listening to the March to Zion broadcast. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write to the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church is located seven miles east of Gordo and ten miles west of Northport, just off Highway 82 on the Boyd Road near Ecola. Services are each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and the second and fourth Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Please join us next week for another message of God's sovereign grace.